In today's case study episode, we have a cyclist who has increased his time trial speed by f- over four kilometers per hour. He went from averaging a speed of low 40 kilometers per hour to 44 and a half kilometers per hour. And in a 40 kilometer time trial, and whether you're a cyclist or a triathlete in an Olympic distance triathlon, the, the distance is 40 kilometers. That's going to wipe off almost six minutes. That is a monster gain. And for someone that was already riding 40 and a half kilometers an hour, they're clearly a good rider, but to go up to 44 and a half is a massive gain. So we're going to go through, as always, exactly what we did to help him change and help him improve so i want to introduce this athlete dave he's a small very light um master six athlete so that makes him in the 50 55 to 59 year old category um but being uh, quite small and light that makes it hard to be a good time trialer not always that's not always the rule but um you, know, you tend to think as the, these good time trialers that can really just be a rock and hold that monster power but He's a great climber. Uh, he's also a surgeon, so he has a very intense workload. And all these factors are really important to set up the actual phase of, of who this athlete is that we're talking about and how, how we help them improve. Because we're trying to give you examples of how people can get these results uh, when they're in similar positions to what you might be yourself. So he came to us three years ago because he'd been riding for uh, a long time and uh, he just found in the last few years of his training before he came to us, something was stopping from in- from improving. And we wanted, he wanted to find out what it was. And Basically, the setup for this was uh, he tried a lot of things. He was with a coaching group. They had no structure. Uh, they were doing the same sessions every day. And he did improve a little bit doing that, but he, he hit a wall. Um, and then he, he moved on to some online programs. Um, and once again, he, he, he was basically just a one-dimensional rider. He's, he'd improved, but after a while, he hit a plateau, as everyone does when they do the same kind of riding. And his numbers stayed the same. Uh, and the setup really is he was, he was flogging himself uh, in training for years and ended up hating the sessions. He wasn't improving and not enjoying it and from Trivello perspective what are our goals number one is improvement number two is enjoyment or we could even flip it around we would say enjoyment first and then improvement and he was doing neither so he really felt like he was missing something and dad welcome to the episode I want to say that two of the key things he felt like he was missing were the communication and accountability so let's kind of go into through that's the setup let's go through with Dave kind of um, where he was and, and what he felt like he was missing. Yeah, Dave's been uh, a real joy to coach and um, so are most of the athletes that uh, come on board and um, I've absolutely loved seeing his improvement and uh, ironically, you mentioned that he's in the uh, Masters 6 uh, category and that's that's not a young rider and you know, for all those people who've ridden a time trial bike and know what 40 kilometres an hour is and so hard to do and the majority of riders that, that we coach range between 28 k's an hour to probably 35 36 k's an hour that would be the range of athletes we coach and and we have a a small percentage maybe 15 20 percent of athletes who can actually ride above 40 k's an hour we have two or three percent who can ride above 45 so we've got a really vast range of uh, abilities in our coaching group and and dave was one of those guys who was a good rider but i felt like he wasn't reaching his potential and it was such a breath of fresh air when he came on board because he was absolutely sick of the way he'd been doing it for so long and he was really not enjoying the, the lack of improvement and therefore you don't enjoy your riding as much as uh, for all everybody out there listening you know that you'll get more fun when you're riding better um, the correlation is huge and when you're riding poorly it sucks and you hate it and he got to a point where he probably wasn't going to keep riding that much more but anyway he he uh he decided to reach out and uh we're so grateful we did because of uh it's you know formed a really great relationship with Dave and um, and he lives in WA and I live in uh, Victoria and so we, we don't see each other that often but uh, I feel like I know him quite intimately and had the privilege of taking him to Belgium and seeing him first firsthand and uh, what a pocket rocket he is as a bike rider and 
um, I cannot uh, get across the message to everybody listening here how uh, particular he is about his training and there would be over the three years be very few sessions that he's missed and that is one of the things that he said to me was he loved the fact that um, he had someone who made him accountable and was desperate for structure just wanted to know what am I supposed to be doing tomorrow in relation to what I did today and should I do something hard tomorrow in because I've done something hard today and that waking up each day knowing that my session's already planned out for me and I know that my coach has got my best interests interests of improvement at, at heart and this is going to be a little bit of a slow burn but I have to go backwards before I go forwards and and he had that mindset straight away in an in a initial con- uh, consultation was you just tell me what to do Jared and I'll do it and that's music to my ears and someone who's going to really trust the program not do a version of it um, and they will get the outcome and it's not a three-month outcome that we're looking for here this is a three-year and he didn't ride 44.5 k's an hour in the first six months. He was miles away from that. It's a process. So everybody out there who's listening to this, don't think about these things as a quick fix. You have to put the time in. And there's so much to learn about when to apply the right power in certain positions you know, in a race. And and training to execute like that is the key to doing it in a race. And it doesn't matter what sport you're doing, whether it's time trialing individually or time trialing in a, in a triathlon you still need to learn how to ride the bike properly in the conditions. And, and of course, you know, getting a bike fit and getting the setup right with your, with your equipment, that, that will go a long way to improving you. But you need to know what sessions to do, how to ride the power in, on a time trial bike. It's just not the same as riding a bike. You need to understand when the times are to ride a little bit harder and when the times are to ride a little bit easier. That's so true. I mean, yeah, finding speed on the time trial bike, as we've spoken about in many podcasts, comes down to many factors, and you've just identified some of those key ones. It's starting with what training are you doing? Um, and for him, he was doing far too much of the same type of training, and he wasn't doing anything specific enough that was really going to improve his time trialing. Uh, he was training really hard, but uh, as we we're about to you know, show you, um, the actual training that he needs to be doing was quite different to what he was doing. Then it comes down to a lot of other factors, you know, your position on the bike, your equipment, what you were saying, just saying, sure, upgrading your bike, upgrading your position, upgrading your all forms of equipment is really going to help. Um, but then that won't make a difference if you're actually not executing properly and you can do some great training. But if you're getting to race day not executing well, you know, when to push the right power at the right times, um, when to back it off, when to push harder, um, executing evenly, you know, these are all things that you need to be able to get right. So let's go, let's get really specific with his training and, and go through what he actually did um, to improve. And the, the key one I want to start with um, is that one of the most important sessions in his program to improve this is the sub-threshold session. And can you take us through what he's built up to now, what he does regularly in terms of this sub-threshold session and, and define kind of what zone that it's in? Yeah, and look, this is just one of the sessions. And for those who are listening, don't try and do this session every day for five days or six days. It's This is just one of the, the sessions that are in his program and does this one stand out more than the others? Probably not, because each each session that we that we have in his program is really specifically aiming at something that we're trying to achieve with him, and in his case, to be a better threshold rider. Um, and so the sub-threshold seems really weird when we talk about specificity, don't we, a lot on this podcast. And if you want to ride uh, faster, you need to practice riding faster. And that's true. That is absolutely true. There's nothing wrong with that sentence. But you can't do that day in, day out. And that's why the sub-threshold, where you're riding just below threshold, you know, if threshold is 100% and sub-threshold is somewhere between 88 and 94 to 96% of your 100% effort. 
So doing that is repeatable. And that's why it's such a good uh, session to do. And you can do it for, you know, if we're doing threshold or VO2 work or max uh, efforts, you know, the time we can spend doing that is somewhere between eight minutes and probably 30. Whereas as a sub-threshold session, we can do two by 30 or two by 40. But I need to be careful what I say here because he, he built up from two by 10 minutes, two by 15, two by 20, two by 30. Uh, over a, a period of three years so you know he can really nail now and uh, where he lives in wa there's a great time trial um, there's actually great bike paths for, for time trialing um, and there's one north of the city where it's specifically for time trialing for road for, for bike riders and it's uninterrupted no traffic lights and you can ride you know, in one direction for 40 minutes uh, without having to be you know really disrupted at all and then turn around and come back so he does that session and he's built that up to two by 40 where he's riding you know, anywhere between, you know, we give him a variation between 86 to, to 90, 90 to 94% of his FTP. And and to be able to do that, you know, week in, week out, um, that is the, one of the key sessions that is actually going to get you um, to be able to ride at threshold and above uh, so much more comfortably if you've been able to do, uh, you know, one hour 20 of riding at between 80 and 92%. And, and that's an extreme example. It's taken him a long time to get to one of those or two of those sessions. So, you know, repeating sessions of um, of doing, you know, two by 15 minutes, that is where most competent cyclists could start. And, you know, not just riding at 90% the whole time, varying it from, you know, five minutes at 86 and then four minutes at 92 and then three more minutes at uh, 88 and, you know, in that 15 minutes so that you're getting the feeling of if you're on a perfectly flat road, which he is uh, at the back of WA, not all time trials are perfectly flat. So we need to understand that when, you know, we need to vary our, our power. Um, so we try to replicate that change of power, uh, change of percentage of power in a training session so that it replicates what we might encounter uh, during an actual real time trial where we've got hills and wind. So so we're not just sitting on a number for four, two by 40 minutes. Uh, we're, we're varying it so that you are getting used to changes in, in pressure on the pedals. And that is... That is something that's taken a long time. I keep emphasizing that. Um, and I really want that message to get home. Don't go out and do this straight away. This is something you have to build into. And what you've just described there is, is a bit more of an advanced kind of version of the sub-threshold session rather than just doing two by 40 minutes at that range, 88 to 96. You know, there are reasons why um, we, we sometimes break it up into the 40 minutes broken down into 10 minutes of this and six minutes of this and three minutes of that. And yeah, that is to replicate the course as well as to get used to sitting in, in various parts of the range to see how it feels and see what you're capable of holding. So that's a really cool example of, of how it can actually work and the variation you can get in that one session. So we want to keep going through what changes were made to his training weeks and his, and his overall structure. And one of the next ones is um, the balance between training on his own and not being in a group unless we needed him to, um, but then certain times when he was actually in a group. So can you talk us through that? It's, it's a really good topic because the majority of cyclists love riding socially with their mates and that's what we want we encourage that it's got so many positives you will be pushed if you're in a group that's better than you that's a great outcome getting yourself in a group that where the that your mates are better if you're the kingpin in the group it is a lot harder to get the value out of the session um, the things you would try to do is attack and stay away that you know you're making a competition within a competition um, but you know the, the thing that he was doing before was just all the rides were group rides and all the rides were chasing and competitive, everybody pushing each other. And that's great. We want to pick the eyes out of that and select those sessions where we want them and not do them every day, every week. And so continuing to ride that hard the same way every day, 
is unsustainable. And so therefore it's extreme riding and anything that's extreme in this world, we can't maintain. We, it's unsustainable. So we need to actually have days where in a four week block, I might say to Dave, okay, two of these sessions out of this four weeks, I want you to go with the group. And I want you to make that as hard as you possibly can. We're using the group for our advantage. We're using that group ride where he's going to be pushed. And we know that's, that's the Tuesday morning and he can go or the Friday morning, he can go and do that, that session. And I'm, I'm saying to him, feel free. You ride as hard as you like in this. You can attack, you can, you can hang on, you can be the aggressor, do whatever you like, but just push yourself. And, and so he knows that that's the purpose of that session. You know, we talked about the sub-threshold session. We don't want him to go over over his 94% in that sub-threshold session. But here we are, we've got the next session where we're asking him to do completely a different form of training. This is where he sort of was going, wow, this is great. Um, I've got a specific session on a Sunday that I need to do and now I've got a couple of bunch rides that I'm allowed to jump into or, or not. And if I feel he's done too many of them in a, in a period, I would say no more bunch rides. You need to go and do a specific training session where we're, we're controlling your threshold or your VO2. Um, so... So he's really on board with that. And, you know, there's some days where we've got a, an event coming up where it might be a particular road championships or a race that he's aiming for. Well, I, I will throw him in a few more bunch rides. Um, but in, prior to that, maybe 14 weeks out or 10 weeks out, we would be doing a lot more of training on his own where he's riding specifically to his numbers. Um, and, and we're controlling that. And, you know, there is a difference between riding hard controlled and riding hard with freedom to ride as hard as you like. And, and getting a mixture of those two things is gold. That's what we want. We want to have that, that variation in the training. And again, we're, we're trying to stop you from repeating the same thing day after day. That is, that is, if you haven't heard it already, that's the message we're trying to get across. Um, and, you know, that's an example of, of how he's, he's adapted one of his other sessions. Perfect. And then um, another key one is something that we've built up over time and we've used that built up word a, a bit. And we want to say that and stress that because he is three years into the program and what he's doing uh, are quite quite large sessions. We wouldn't expect everyone to build up to two by 40 minutes or three by 40 minutes sub-threshold. And we wouldn't expect everyone to do this session, which is he's consistently doing four, five, six hour rides in the hills, um, basically huge volume at zone two. And now he can even handle in these rides strength efforts. You know, you're giving him strength efforts in the hills at 70, 80, 90%, you know, kind of efforts in the middle of those four to five, six hours. Um, and just think about how strong he's getting doing that kind of riding. And he, he can do that and recover well. You know, he can do that. It doesn't wipe me out for the week. And it takes a lot to get there. And that, and that consistency you mentioned at the very start of um, this topic, when we start talking about his training, uh, you know, he's he's been one of the more consistent trainers and that's allowed him to get to this point. But that is such a key session. I think, that, you know, the thought process needs to be, you can just imagine how strong he is being able to do that because he does it so consistently. Yeah, and uh, it's important that uh, we do that in the right range and not be riding too hard because if you do do that too hard, and, and that sounds like a really funny and strange thing to say, but well, what scenarios would you find if you do you find yourself in where you are riding that long four-hour-plus ride? Well, if you're with a group who are better than you, you've got no choice if you want to keep up with the group to ride at the best rider's tempo, and that's not your zone two. You'll be in zone three, four, or five at, at variation. So right from the outset, I said to Dave, I, I would rather you did this on your own if you're okay with that, and he was absolutely okay with that. And, I, and the reasons were so that we could stay in zone two and you weren't being pushed into areas where you, you didn't want to go because we still have to train the next day and the next day. And so he did that beautifully. He embraced that. And 
we didn't start at four hours with Dave, even though he'd been doing a lot of endurance riding with bunches. Um, he'd been doing quite a lot of four-hour rides with bunches, but I tried to explain to him that going four hours solo compared to go- going with a four-hour bunch ride, there's lots of periods where you're sitting in on the bunch and you're getting a free ride, whereas when you're riding by yourself, you are in charge of every stroke of pedal action that you're doing and you're in the wind the whole time. So so he was a lot more tired than he ever imagined when he was doing it solo. But So we started a long time ago with you know two to three-hour endurance rides and and we've built our way up to, as you've explained already, to that he, he regularly does five and six hours in the hills. And, and he can recover, no problem. But that took a long time. I mean, just try it, you know, go for a four-hour bunch ride where there's guys attacking. It's really high intensity. Um, both sessions are fatiguing. When, and then you go do four hours of just zone two pressure on the pedals solo. And it's a different type of fatigue. The zone two solo just wears you down because you're having to keep the pace up yourself. And even though it's zone two, it should be below that LT1, it still absolutely wears you down. So... Kind of some summaries about his training week is uh, he definitely rides the time trial bike at least once or twice per week, and that is so specific to making sure that his time trialing actually improves. Um, he has three really easy days in the week, recovery days, um, and the rest of his week is, as we've mentioned, kind of makes up. He's made up of VO2 sessions, sub-threshold, like we said, high volume zone two, uh, potentially a high intensity bunch ride in there. And so that kind of summarizes his, his training week. And then to, moving on to how he kind of fixed his time trial, and he gained four and a half kilometers per hour. In terms of speed, uh, the next kind of things we're looking at is time trial position and his execution. So he has definitely been someone that's looked at every element of his, his bike, his bike position, his equipment, uh, and he's upgraded it all to help him get the most out of himself. Yeah, and look, one of the things we probably didn't mention was he's regularly racing time trials, um, and he's in a fortunate position. Um, one of the sessions that he does in that week uh, block, and it could be you know in a six-week period or a two, three-week block period, he may have two time trials that are available to him and he we would slot that into his his sunday session and replacement for the sub threshold session we don't want to do that too often and he's lucky being in western australia the australian time trial association run time trials pretty much every second weekend which is absolutely brilliant if you live in wa in perth you you have that opportunity to really test yourself and it reminds me of uh, in england they have uh, time trialing is a sport on its own it's a bike riding sport and and people are only time trialers. They don't do anything else. They just time trial. Um, and so, you know, there's, they're getting huge numbers to these time trials um, in WA. And and you get a chance to really hone your skill of execution, uh, which is, which has taken the great conversations I've had with Dave is being around analyzing what he's done in these uh, ATTA time trials and looking at, you know, sometimes they do a five lap course and, and we can break it down and say, look, lap one, you did 270 watts and your time was five seconds faster than lap two, lap three, lap four, et cetera. And we break that down and see where he can improve and, and put the power down differently for the same fitness that he has. And and that those nuances are really the execution thing that we kind of gloss over a bit, but that takes a lot of our, our time together is working out where we can improve with the same fitness level. And of course, the bike time trial position, getting a bike fit, the equipment you're using, which we'll talk about now. And that, that is going to be also a game-changing uh thing that he can do quite simply he improved his bike improved his bike setup got better equipment all around not just the bike itself um he got more aero and that all contributes but what's what's really interesting uh is he actually got a new power meter for the bike and it was reading lower power you know when he switched over it was clearly reading lower power than what what he's used to and that could be a big uh mind game with yourself and you're having to convince him to 
you know, you're riding well and he's, he's actually riding faster, but his power his power's lower. And that can be a real big ego blow. And you're having to say to him, forget the old power meter. It's different equipment now. And so you have to you have to go off the new power meter number. And that that is frustrating because you work so hard to get that power up. And now you're riding 20 watts slower. But understand the whole goal is to go faster. It's not about improving power necessarily. The goal is faster. And that's what he was doing. So that's really uh, a funny one to think about. To Dave's credit, he got over it very quickly. But I have, yeah. trouble, I have trouble with others who just are fixated on the power. And, and my example to those people are, look, if you rode 44.5 Ks an hour and you averaged 60 watts, would you be upset? Yeah. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be going, oh, well, 60 watts will get me 44 Ks an hour. I'll take that any day. So so that the power number is whatever it is. And if you can ride 40 Ks an hour and that equals 200 watts, then, then you need to ride 210 watts to do 41 Ks an hour. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. And whether you used to be able to ride with an old power meter, 250 watts, and now that same number is 200 for the same speed, that's all that matters is the actual speed. And whatever that power number is to get that speed is the important thing. So we're fixated on this. Well, what's your power? But no one actually should ask, you know, what's your watts per kilo uh, is more important than that. So that's another whole topic anyway. But but once again, the watts per kilo is only determined by the power meter. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a rabbit hole. But yeah, I mean, and we, we move from that to the execution and we don't want to gloss over it, but we don't want to go into too much detail because with execution, there is so much detail you can go into. And that's what you need to understand is that you could be breaking down every single lap. And we had a great example actually last night where there was a local ITT race in Melbourne. Um, a bunch of our guys did it. It was a five lap course and we were looking over the data. I was looking over the data on everyone's individual laps. And there was definitely multiple examples of people riding higher power for a lap, but it was a slower lap. They were potentially six or eight or 10 watts higher in a certain lap, but they rode slower. And that just shows that they've, they've ridden harder in the wrong sections for that specific lap. And it happens all the time. I mean, I just actually did a, uh, a hill repeat session this morning and it was not just a straight hill gradient. It kind of kicked up a little bit and then it had a bit of a you know, fairly false flat section and then it really kicked up again. And every rep I did, I kind of wrote it slightly differently. You know, did the first section a bit harder. Probably sometimes in the reps went too hard in that section. Therefore, on the false flat, I went too slow. And then, you know, it kicks up again. And regardless, however you execute each individual lap, you will get a different time. But it's not always going to be linear, like more power equals better time on these climbs. It's it's where you execute. So that just you know, really, it's a hard concept for a lot of us to understand. But when you break it down lap by lap, you can actually see the yeah, and Dave's really good at the analytical side of uh, of his uh, training and his uh, racing, and that's oh, that's music to my ears. If someone's really that invested, and we have great conversations about his execution and any any particular event that he's been in or, or is going to do, and now one of the things that I've really drilled into him is to to start a little bit conservatively and, and try to come home stronger, and because that's the opposite to what he was doing when he first started and now having to say to him hey you can risk a bit more because you know we know that your number is is a little bit better than that so you know in in some of the races where they're not your complete a race where you're banking six months training into this one race the other races you should be experimenting with where where is my red line you know can i cross it and what happens if i do you know, the example would be if you're taking a really sharp corner on a, a ride that you're out with and you you don't know how fast you can go around that corner and you're just testing to see what angle you need to be putting your bike at. And then when you fall over and hit the ground, you realize that's the tipping point. And this is the same with, this is the same with FT, uh, with your power number, you know, push yourself as close as you can to the red zone, that number where you might actually uh, have to back off slightly because therefore you get better perspective of, and that's what Dave's really good at. And he's really embraced that concept and his execution is outstanding from where, where it started with. And, and because he's really willing to listen and comprehend the, the explanation of why we're doing it this way and, 
And, you know, we know that when the bike is going slowest, that's the time when you need to be at the top of the range that you've set yourself. And when your bike's going fastest, you need to be not at the top of the range, but you need to be somewhere in the range, but conserving so that when the hard bit comes again, you're ready to push the power again. He's embraced that concept. And that that is hard for me to get across. It sounds so easy, but people, when they get out there, they love going fast with the tailwind and they end up... <laughs> They end up riding more power in the tailwind than they are in the headwind and, and wonder why they're slower. Exactly. Yeah, slower overall. And that all these factors are what contributed to such an incredible improvement in time trialing speed. But it's not just his time trial that he's improved. He's, he's become a better all-round rider. And um, I think one of the best examples of this was uh, he ended up winning the state road title uh, over in Western Australia. And I think for you, that was one of those examples of just classic great post-race conversation, which you love having with an athlete, whether they whether they win a title, whether they have a great PB, whether they have the best executed performance they've had in a while, where they're seeing the results come off. It was something that he never thought he'd win. Actually, he, he said himself he never thought he's never come close. He, he never really thought it was possible, and that would have been a, a great coach athlete moment where you know to take that state road title is is exceptional. Shows exceptional being an exceptional all well-rounded rider, a complete opposite to the one-dimensional rider he was before. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and uh, because we had brought along his zone two endurance and strength we'd brought along his sub threshold we brought along his high intensity bunch riding and and specific training sessions around that we'd allowed him to recover uh, in his weekly program we'd given him lots of races we'd talked tactics we talked about um, attacking the bunch you know using his strength his strength is threshold riding his, his strength isn't short punchy climbs where the big guys can really punch it out but he's he's got great recovery so his tactics to win a you know a state road race is most people can be as strong as they like, but if they don't have the right tactics plus the ability to execute, uh, they'll never win anything. And so it was a really enjoyable discussion for him to come out and say, I could not have raced that any better. I did all the tactics we've talked about for two years and, and I was able to attack and separate the, the sprinters, get rid of them. And, and then, you know, it was almost like it was too easy in the end to win. And uh, it was a great conversation and one of those ones that you really love your job for. And, um, you know, the excitement he had about, you know, winning something he never thought was possible. And, you know, a couple of things he asked me to do when he joined was, you know, see if I could win a race and see if I could improve my time trialing and be competitive. And, and you know, he's, he's quite feared now. I mean, a lot of local bunches as, a, as an older guy, you know, Dave's there today, you know, expect a hard ride. And a lot of the guys are looking in awe at what he's doing, you know, as a, as a young 50-year-old now, he's an older 50-year-old. He's actually better than he was six years ago. And it's, you know, he just can't take a smile off his face the way he's just embracing the, the fact that he loves, it's almost like his job now, he loves racing his bike. And, and that all-round thing that you mentioned is, uh, is the key to it and having variation uh, in your program where you're not doing the same thing over and over and and as I said earlier doing the same thing will get you to a certain point and you will get fit and that's I'm not disputing that um, but it will eventually stagnate and you'll be the same rider forever unless you change something yeah for sure so I mean in conclusion we actually asked him you know for this case study to summarize his experience and he, he said a lot of great things which we're really chuffed with but uh, I think one of the, the best and also funniest things he said was that you know having the coach to talk to um that he could he was close enough that he could see as a mate and as a friend but at the same time he was slightly fearful that you know he wasn't sure what would happen if he if he missed a session i think you laughed you laughed pretty hard at that yeah well it's a funny thing to hear actually i i don't think that i put fear into people but um, <laughs> uh, evidently uh there is a cer certain line where um i must have a different tone to my voice where i'm saying what happened yesterday or what happened over the weekend? And I think people really are uncomfortable answering that question if, if they've legitimately been lazy and, <laughs> exactly. 
And and I can never accuse Dave of that. Bit. You know, he's had some horrible crashes, uh, which has really put him back a, a fair bit. And that's a good point. He's had a lot of setbacks um, um, over the journey, unfortunately, crashing where people have fallen in front of him. And you can't do anything about some of those things. And uh, but it changes the it changes the next six weeks, doesn't it? If you've got broken bones, and um, but he's been resilient uh, enough to come back, and because he's got such a great fitness base, he's been able to you know resume very quickly and almost get back up to speed. And uh, just going through COVID at the moment, so um, you know once again, he's got a race in four weeks that he's been aiming for, and you know how is this going to affect his his performance? We'll never know. But that athlete coach relationship where there's a healthy respect, um, I respect the fact that he really wants to improve and his his desire is it comes through and i i'm absolutely on board helping people who are reaching out with uh you know asking any questions they liked because if they're, they're there to improve that's you know i just i can't embrace that enough and and you know he barely missed a session in all the times it's always been through sickness or injury and it's not because um, he couldn't be bothered or lost motivation um so you know the care factor i suppose is what he's trying to say to me is that, he loves that aspect, um, and that's what that's what he feels. He's got someone who's actually making him accountable, um, and he's got the best program that he's he's never done a program like this before. In all the years of, of riding, he's been able to bring along the areas where he's felt he's weak, his his high intensity stuff, his ability to ride threshold, and you know ability to sustain sub threshold riding, getting stronger, and you know in in getting that endurance strength work. Um, yeah, they're the things that uh, that he's he's just loved, got him along this journey. Yeah, you basically just said the fact that we care so much about his improvement is, is the best part about it, and it's a, it's a really great balance between when to push and when to not. I think that's really key, and we joke about the fear thing, and I do want to reiterate to people out there that you know, you know you don't you don't you don't ever or we don't ever scold anyone for missing a session. It's the, the what happened question is, is genuinely just asking is there something happening, um, and normally there's valid reasons for why people miss sessions. You know, they they might say I didn't feel like it, or they might say I was just too fatigued, or something might have come up with work life, which is the the age grouper training life cycle and lifestyle but we just want to reiterate that the number one goal the primary goal from us is the enjoyment factor in the process and the improvement in the process we can tick those off we have so this has been a fairly in-depth case study uh and we've gone right into detail about this so we hope you've enjoyed this insight into this improvement um but we, we, we achieved our goals of enjoyment and improvement any last thoughts from you um, no, and I think that last point you made, um, you know, definitely um, my questioning is always around, is everything okay with your training? Uh, not as to why you didn't do it uh, in a harsh way. It's it's always, you know, are you okay? Making sure that you're making good decisions yourself. And, and that's one of the things we do say a lot on the podcast is you have to, you know, understand how you're feeling and that will determine whether we adjust the program. And that's what Dave's really good at. He'll let me know very early on that, not quite up for it today and we'll we'll adjust the program straight away and that's what makes him hardly miss anything through through illness or or being uh overtrained or or you know he's just never experienced that under this program because because he's quick to tell me what is going on with his feelings and and i can adapt and adjust uh, that quickly so he's he's got the enjoyment factor because you know the improvement keeps happening and you know when when you're improving it's so much more fun than then stagnating or wondering what is going wrong with me. So yeah, it's been a really good one to get out to the audience because I really rate the way he's gone about it. And um, I, I think he's got a lot more to, to improve on even now. And I uh, can't wait to see him, see how he fares in the, in the future. That's it for this episode. Thanks as always for listening. If you would like to achieve the same kind of improvement as Dave has and enjoyment, you can go to our website, travelercoaching.com.au and apply for coaching there. And the process is we simply have an interview and consult with you and find out what you're doing and see if the coach-athlete relationship can work. And 
that's really important to us that the relationship is there to establish from a foundation to help you again enjoy that process of achievement improvement and enjoy the actual process of training itself so tune in weekly to all our episodes we have a weekly episode where we discuss how you can train smarter and race faster and of course the case study episodes which people are absolutely loving thank you very much we'll see you in the next episode